Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everyone? It's Noah Daniels, and we're here for another episode of the Real Hauntings Podcast. As you know, we've been doing an urban legend series, and of course, Joshua is here to help guide us through that. Joshua, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. Yeah, it's uh, always a pleasure. Always good find time to come and do this, so I'm glad to be here. And uh very excited and terrified to talk about uh, what we have for today. Yeah, when I told Joshua what I wanted to cover tonight, he I could feel his digital shudder from across the DMs of how scared he was. He told me he may not even mention the name of the urban legend we're going to discuss tonight. I hope I didn't betray him there. I saw a little squint of the eye from him. Um, as, as our guest for this episode, we're really excited to have the host from the Digital Folklore Podcast. It's Perry and Mason. No, they're not detectives, but we are curious to hear what they have to say about the skinwalker. That's what we'll be covering tonight. Uh, gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Hello, hello. Thanks for having us. Hey, and you said the name. And Yeah, you did. And I I did. Uh, and you can tell they're true professionals because whenever I make the mistake of throwing it to two people at one time, usually it's, hello, 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 hello. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> so I appreciate the uh, tandem work there to come off so smooth. So before we jump into Skinwalker, I would, that sounded weird. Before we jump into our urban legend, <laughs> um, I would love for you guys to tell us about your podcast and um, just kind of your, both of your relationships with the supernatural. Mason, why don't we start with you? Sure. So we produce the show Digital Folklore, which is, I feel like the most accurate way to describe it is like if Scooby-Doo had a documentary shoved inside of it because it's it's this fictional world everything's presented through this like audio drama style lens but it's all real information uh we talk about uh digital culture specifically focusing on the academic study of folklore which sounds really dry when you say it like that but it is so much more wide-ranging than either of us realized when we started and encompasses everything from memes to like disinformation and astroturfing uh it's genuinely fascinating and really fun to explore and it's like an underrepresented discipline so we're just learning about that and sharing it in a way we think is cool and fun yeah we uh we started doing the research for it uh, about a year ago now and uh launched in january of this year january 2023 and just finished season one gearing up for season two and we have a whole bunch of interesting and uh dark and disturbing stuff but maybe not the way that you're thinking about it coming up in season two Awesome. Well, I can't wait to learn more about your podcast. I started listening to the first season today and it was really fun. And you guys are both on the Realm Network, which is how we got in touch, which has been great to be part of. Do either of you, have you ever experienced any kind of uh, supernatural experience yourself or what is kind of y'all's relationship with the paranormal? Have y'all ever seen the TV show Ghost Hunters? It's, it's objectively bad, but like Zach Bagans and all them. <laughs> My friend Caitlin was obsessed with that show and uh, she got me really into it. I, I actually, I love it. It's a lot of fun. And so we started doing like a bunch of ghost hunting when we were teenagers. It just so happened that she lived in this house. I, I, I grew up in a small town in rural New Hampshire and she lived in this house where I, I don't remember how many years ago it was, probably something like 20 years before she moved in. There was a person who had owned it previously who one day drenched the house in gasoline 
and uh, lit the whole place on fire, shot a bunch of rounds into like the surrounding woods of the house. And all of this stuff happened. And then all they found after that was five pounds of flesh in a bathtub in the basement. Uh, so needless to say, we were pretty sure her house was haunted. So we did a lot of ghost hunting there. And there were a lot of, I wish I had like one earth shattering thing, but there was definitely times we heard voices. We picked up some stuff with like digital recorders. There was one time I was sitting in a closet being a little bit of a dickhead and like teasing the ghost. And I, I, to this day, I'll stand by it. I heard something scrape down the closet right behind my head and a voice in my ear. It wasn't words. It was just like, a Wah! I ran out of the closet. Okay, Mason, that is earth shattering or however you put it. As, as somebody who has interviewed over 200 people about their stories, it's not always that, you know, the boogeyman jumped out in front of me and, and I saw its face. I mean, a lot of the haunting stories you hear, and I think the more credible ones are just what you described. And yeah. uh, let's just circle back to there being, what did you say? Five pounds of flesh in yeah. the bathtub? Yeah, that was the thing. And um, I forget. Caitlin had found that out because it was small town volunteer fire department and small town talk about folklore friend of a friend was a volunteer firefighter who went and saw the scene. You can find reports of the fire in the news from that time in like the bad archives that are really hard to look up online, but we dug it up one time, but yeah, it was, it was, it was five pounds of flesh in a bathtub. I don't know if I have the number exactly right, but it was flesh in a bathtub in the basement. And that was the, like the weird thing they found. Maybe aside they from just, just the building. Maybe they were just on the early trials of Zimprick and, uh, you know, it just fell right off. <laughs> and then they got mad, burned the whole place down. <laughs> I wasted so much money. <laughs> um, wow, that that is that's horrifying. That's one of yeah. those kind of stories that uh, somebody will hear and then find that place and go do a doc on and we'll see it on YouTube or something. That was pretty rough. Well, Perry, uh, what about you? What's your have you had any paranormal experiences? So um, I traditionally come at things with a fairly hard skeptical point of view, but I have had some things that I have not been able to logically explain, uh, mostly from high school and college years when we were just, you know, out doing crazy stuff all the time and dealing with very interesting people. Um, so there was this uh, this guy in high school who had a reputation of being a very dark person. You know, this is somebody that in today's day, you would probably warn the school authorities about um, because you're afraid that something big might happen with this type of person. Um, and for whatever reason, he started hanging around with the group that I was part of, and he was always still kind of on the outskirts because he was just so bizarre. And um, we'd gotten really spooked by him a couple times um, because he was also saying that he was getting deep into the occult. And I thought a lot of that was just him making stuff up to try to play into his persona. But there was a time that uh, we saw him as we were driving. He was walking towards my house and he was a good seven, eight blocks away. And we were driving and we just w tried to take a shortcut to get there faster because we knew where he was headed. And then as we got there, I mean, we we probably would have gained, you know, five minutes on this guy. Uh, as we turned around the bend, he was still in front of us. Like we turned and he was there still walking down the road, like uh, less than a block from the house that, that we were going to. And that freaked us the heck out because we couldn't think of any way that that was possible outside of some kind of you know, teleportation or supernatural force or, you know, something like that. And it, it, it freaked guy, by the way, this is not supernatural. Um, I stayed home one day from school and he didn't know that I was staying home. 
and there was a knock at the door and uh i just like laid on the couch that you know you somebody's knocking at the door you don't go uh show yourself that you're there if you don't want to deal with people and uh so i just lay on the couch i was really still turned the tv all the way off and about two minutes later the door opens he comes inside i hear him go to our refrigerator rummage around uh do stuff and then just kind of walk out like five minutes later i don't know mm -hmm. if he made a sandwich or what but i mean he literally just came in and and showed that he felt like he had complete ownership over anywhere that he goes and that that was more creepy to, to me than him just kind of walking you know us turning the block and then still see him him in a place that he shouldn't be because that was after the fact of of this other thing happening so i was just completely freaked me out um on you know outside of that it was the normal stuff that a lot of people have which is you know sleep paralysis related things where you see dark figures you wake up and uh, a lot of the things that that there are logical explanations for uh, as i look at the science of it but that that one uh encounter with this person just still haunts me wow yeah, that's uh, pretty scary. Both of you guys, wow, way to come through. And, and Mason's face was worth the price of admission during all of that. I hated that. That's oh, that's my nightmare. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah, the, the the him just coming in the house. Yeah. Really, that was, I think, one of the most disturbing things that's happened in my life. And the, also the fact that I didn't get up and do anything. You know, it's like, what, you know, what? I, I think me now, maybe I would I would get up and say, dude, what are you doing in my house? But uh, back then I was just his, his entire persona and reputation and also the, the persona that he was trying to cultivate, plus the evidence that I had that he may actually um, have, you know, something going on really just freaked me the heck out. Yeah. These days he would have been filming it for TikTok, you know, as right. he rummaged through your house <laughs> yeah. and he made a sandwich in the sink and yeah. <laughs> what's what's also like unsettling about that too is just kind of the the familiar familiarity of him doing it like he like this is a, was a common practice too yeah. which is also so unsettling that he's he's apparently been in your house like had been in your house before that time probably doing this like to do often. It. yeah i'm sorry noah i don't want to derail but perry you never mentioned this and it's something i feel like i always love to bring up perry also did a line of work for a while that sort of borders on the paranormal but is uh i think is really interesting yeah, I was uh, um, kind of stopped around the time of the pandemic, but um, due to my interest in psychology and deception, um, I did a run as a kind of a semi-pro mentalist, uh, simulated mind reading and uh, simulated psychic effects. And so that gets into more of like the debunking mode, um, though, if you want to stay in really good with the magical community and the people that share those secrets, you you don't do the debunking <laughs> Um, though I have for cybersecurity and law enforcement types of things to say, this is how easy it is to fool somebody and to create a frame of mind where they're going to believe that you have these types of abilities, even when they are very rational and cynical, um, and to convert them within 20 or 30 minutes. Um, here's, here's how that's done. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, all of that is really, really eye-opening the more and more you get into it. I've also done street hypnosis and pickpocketing and that kind of stuff as well well perry you have lived a life i think that's yeah. safe to say <laughs> well um i appreciate you gentlemen coming on the podcast today it was great to kind of get introduction into your relationship with the paranormal and hear about your podcast so let's jump into why we're all here today and that's to talk about the urban legend that surrounds 
the Skinwalker. Now this is, I think an urban legend many of us have heard, especially recently as it has kind of become a social media phenomenon for whatever reason. Uh, people have been posting a lot of, you know, there's one of like a goat standing up on its hind legs. There's one of something walking or it kind of looks like it's it's maybe a deer or some kind of creature on on all fours and then you kind of see it shift into its hind legs in the woods there's just different various things online that seem to be making its way around which i always take that stuff with a grain of salt because lord knows it's easier now to fake uh online viral content than it's it's ever been but it is interesting and it does kind of start a conversation uh about the skinwalker and of course we all have heard of the Skinwalker Ranch, which isn't necessarily a direct correlation, but had a lot of phenomenons allegedly going on there. And Joshua, I thought I did think it was interesting. You said this is one that you really put a lot of kind of respect, and you you don't want to um, go into negatively or, or uh, over or understate it. I guess maybe is the best way to put it. What is it about this urban legend that that you have such strong feelings about? I think it really just goes down into just indigenous culture overall. I think that personally, a lot of people have capitalized on indigenous culture for uh, hauntings and things like that to to validate or verify uh, why certain phenomenon happen. Almost in in a way of you know, kind of this is not a word, but I'm going to use it, savagizing indigenous culture. So like if it if there's something that can be explained through indigenous culture that you don't understand, just throw some supernatural on it, and then it all makes sense because they know the land, but I do think that that's true in a sense that they do know the land, but also really respect their stories and also the their, their experiences with the supernatural. So because this is so directly tied into their culture, for one, I put a lot of respect on it. But two, because I don't know, I always kind of have an air of trepidation. And number three, just researching it, it's, it is one of these scarier uh, cryptids or urban legends too. It's not like, mothman or as uh i'm not as desensitized to it like bigfoot this one has like some more levity to it and it also has some really profound lore around it as well yeah that kind of ties it into so many different things which does go into ufos and aliens and uh, other cryptids and weird phenomena and cat mutilations and shape-shifting and all the you know things that are that we don't know a lot about and, and spooky but no, th this is one of those that that just kind of just unsettled me just overall, just hearing about their lore and where they came from and why they're there. And just they're usually approached with like a very evil, dark kind of uh, characteristic, too. So uh, that's my that's a really long winded way of saying uh, <laughs> it's 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 it's, it's kind of layered as to why I, I have such a different approach with these type of entities. Sure. It does originate from the uh, from the Navajos, and it, one thing that I thought was interesting researching is that they don't particularly care to talk about it uh, with outsiders, which I also think gives um, some credence to what you were saying, is that people are kind of taking maybe advantage of the lore of the culture to you know get views on TikTok, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because that was something that I wanted to kind of talk about off the bat, that we don't get a lot of cross-section with when we cover urban, urban legends and cryptids until you do some deep diving like Joshua does. And a lot of times you have found that a lot of these do date back, um, you know, to indigenous cultures, which I think is really interesting. 
Yeah, and even some of that that lore has crossed over into to black culture as well. So I, I I've mentioned a couple of times on the show that I've covered a lot of the superstitions that we have in the South, and one of those, and two of those very important superstitions that many people in the black community believe in, and, and as even as Stephanie said that they like um, that in Hispanic culture as well is, and it's just other people that are on my TikTok just responding is whistling inside the house and at night is directly tied into that and so you don't do it but also um if you hear your name outside and you're by yourself like you never respond and you never run you just walk the other direction so i always heard those growing up but i never knew what they were tied to and so doing some digging i realized that those were connected and so even when you go into the lore like that it's a little bit more unsettling because this comes from a completely different culture that's respecting these certain boundaries or these rules, but this doesn't even originate in that culture, but it's widely accepted and, and passed on, even if some of the 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 why has been lost. So it it it's it's the, the this topic is so complex overall, I would say. You know what, uh Joshua, is as you were talking about that, it really uh I think it helped and, and I'm sure it helps all the listeners out there to to have the right frame of mind because so many people that start to look at these types of legends come with a very judgmental attitude or a very sensationalist attitude. And uh, to hear that respect, that's a, a as as we're learning, that's the true folklorist mindset is a, a true folklorist goes in and doesn't make a determination on whether something's true or false. They want to know why you know, this thing emerged for that culture at that time and what relevance it has. Really just uh, kind of being able to trace those things back to their roots always brings an additional layer of richness. And I also love the uh, the term that you made up, which is savagizing. There was a, another term I heard yesterday when I was doing a little bit of research on this um, and looking at, at monsters in general is um, pe people talk a lot about the darker aspects of folklore and urban legend being used to other people it's it's used to, to kind of condemn create additional you know social classes that people can then throw stones at and lots of hate um and they uh the person i was uh listening to something from used the term monstracizing you know creating a monster of and ostracizing at the same time and i thought that was a brilliant term as well this episode of the Real Hauntings, Real Ghost Stories podcast is brought to you by Wild Grain. Hey y'all, it's Noah Daniels and oh boy, I just got my box of Wild Grain bread and pasta. My whole family has been so excited to dive in. We started with a sourdough and it was amazing. If you're looking to make Mother's Day brunch planning easier or just looking for a great gift for your mom, you've got to check out Wild Grain. Order before May 6th to get your box in time for Mother's Day. Wild Grain is the first ever bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. Every item bakes frozen in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. The next thing up for us to try is the biscuits with our breakfast. And you can now fully customize your wild grain box, so you can choose any combination of breads, pastas, and pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. Plus, for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box. When you go to wildgrain.com hauntings to start your subscription. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com hauntings. That's wildgrain.com hauntings, or you can use promo code hauntings at checkout. 
Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Yeah. And recognizing the roots of something, there's so much context that we don't have, especially with this legend. Cause I, I ran into the same thing where it, that, um, it's not widely spread outside of that culture. And so we don't have the context to understand the significance of it in different ways. And that's something I think is, is interesting too about folklore and legends in general is the context that does and doesn't transfer as these things move and take shape. The TikTok skinwalker, likely has very little to do with the original Navajo skinwalker aside from the name and whatever characteristics we have have gotten from it. So it, it's interesting in the ways that things transform like that, but it is also a very like we like you and Perry just said there are a lot of very harmful side effects of that when you start to use it to create a class that is other. Yeah, and even that you even say that too. Um the even the characteristics from what you see from what TikTok would present as opposed to what you actually research and read about from from good sources they don't match because if you were able to, to actually film this entity walking along, well, chances are your life is really in danger. And so you don't have the opportunity to just stand on the ground and say, oh, I got my phone and oh, wow, it just happens to be not super blurry like every other entity is right. and just watch it and it just walks off and doesn't know that you're there. Yeah. And reading into the lore of it, I thought it was interesting how, you know, the the urban legend uh, is that someone has to essentially commit murder to become a skinwalker, which most of the ones we cover or we covered like in your cryptid series don't have such a dark origin and isn't so clearly out to, you know, do alleged harm uh, as far as curses or, you know, maybe casting that something really bad is going to happen to an individual as the urban legend around the skinwalker. I did listen or I did look up some stories from firsthand accounts or what's supposed to be firsthand accounts from Native Americans who had experienced skinwalker experiences. And most of it is, is you know, it, it was pretty short stories of just seeing an animal that went from four legs to two or feeling like a very eerie sense around them and looking and seeing, uh, you know, shadows following in them that then turn into some type of animal, usually a deer. Um, and then, you know, they decided to kind of remove themselves from the situation. Did any of you see anything that really struck you as far as when you're researching uh, for this episode, as, as far as like firsthand accounts go with skinwalkers? I actually, I did another podcast and uh, they actually told a story that I think is very similar to this experience, um, it, a little bit differently though. And once again, it's it's that instant sense of dread that I think follows 
uh, entities like this. Uh, it was a guy and his friend were out in the woods. Um, it got like really foggy and misty. Just, of course, it got foggy and misty, but <laughs> not discrediting that, but it always gets foggy and misty in the woods. Uh, but then they, uh, the person started seeing like green orbs, green fog kind of come out. And then they heard like really high pitched whistling. And uh, I believe that he had a dog with him and the dog was like, I'm not doing this. And so um, essentially they left, but it's, it's, those are the kind of the firsthand experiences that I've heard. It's more so like, I feel the instances of dread animals are responding to something supernatural that's happening in the woods. There's the whistling noise that's often accompanied with this kind of entity. And it's a mad dash to get out of that area. Um, as a, like from other firsthand accounts, I, I have a hard time with them unless they're coming from like true, like indigenous sources, just because of all the misinformation I think that might be spread out into the the public sector about these type of entities. And I'm not trying to call anybody out, anybody out by name, but I think that for instance, the legend of Skinwalker ranch, I mean, I watched it. That does a good number in making, trying to make it more palatable when in reality, this is a, something different than what they're describing. It's, it's beyond just animal mutilations and UFO activity. Like this is this is this is something more evil and more present than just show up, kill some cows, maybe some lights in the sky, and then I go away. Like this, that, you know. Um, but that's just my that's just my two little two little cents. I wonder, do we? I wonder how. And this is just a gen genuine question. I, I don't have any real idea, but how do we treat talking about these separate stories? Because obviously it's a different entity than what we're seeing on TikTok. The only thing it shares is the name alone. So do we do we draw a boundary between TikTok Skinwalker, which is probably not the best branding name for it, uh, and like OG Navajo Skinwalker or or What's a good way to conceptualize it when talking about it? Because I, I didn't find any good firsthand stories either. And it was partly because I, that context is is lacking and there aren't many from indigenous people that I could find. Um, but do we do we talk about the other ones that we do see on TikTok and, and that kind of thing in a different way, as a different cryptid almost? Yeah, I mean, so much of it online felt like creepypasta, you know, when yeah. I was reading stories. They felt... Um, disingenuous, you know, as you were reading them, and and the interesting one on the TikToks. I mean, there are some that are striking, but at the same time, like I've had friends that have cats, and I've seen their cats walk like literally on their hind legs across the room, and I don't think the cat was a skinwalker. I think it was just being a silly cat. So, <laughs> you know, I think nature does kind of odd things sometimes, and then it's easy to when a camera's turned kind of sideways and moves real fast and there's creepy music put behind, I mean, music, it, the, the narration of music on TikTok makes such a big difference. If like you listen to a video, dry bones without any music, or, you know, you watch the video, it makes it so much less creepy um, than having that heightened intense music behind it. But, but yeah, I think there's room to watch the TikTok stuff and discuss it for sure, because there is some, some real oddities out there. And as we're learning, as kind of the world turns, I mean, like just look at the UFO stuff that, that dropped this week. You know, I, I don't know how to tell what's real with that, but you know, we've got somebody who 
I believe he testified in front of Congress at some point, who's now saying that the government has, you know, what is it like um, actual raw materials from an alien spacecraft. And my instinct tells me like not to believe that because it seems too good to be true. And that's usually what I find with this stuff is if it sounds, if it seems too good, it usually is, but I don't know. It's just the world is getting so crazy. It's it's easier for me to believe stuff now than it used to be. You know, I I think you you make an interesting point though when you say just you know, this stuff is happening in a lot of ways because the world is getting crazy. There's a um, one of the cornerstones of what we think about whenever we're approaching these things is there's a, a kind of a, a body of work called monster theory. And it was created by a guy named Jeffrey Jerome Cohen. He goes through seven different theses. And the first thesis uh, in that, or the first thesis within that, is that the monster's body is a cultural body. And it means that whenever somebody has created a new monster or you're starting to hear about things, it is a, a direct reflection of something going on within the culture. So when we're seeing uh, people on TikTok talk about skinwalkers, Regardless of if it is true or untrue, there is a reason why it started to become a thing that people are talking about again. Um, and there's there's some kind of why behind that that we could probably peel back. Um, some of that is trend jumping, of course, but when you get to why it's resonating with it with people so much and why they're uh, why it's getting so many viewing hours, there's probably something bigger behind that that we could find out some kind of truth about ourselves or the people that are putting that out there. And I think the same thing with UFOs is everybody knows that there's a lot bigger world uh, than we think that, that there is a lot bigger universe. There's a lot of unknowns. We know that there are things that are hidden from us, both intentionally and unintentionally. And it's easy to start to create these, these narratives, whether they're true or not. Um, and that's why it starts to to really gain a hold, um, because we're dealing with the fact that everything is infinitely bigger than we've ever really even appreciated before. Uh, and on top of that, more complex, and we start to feel very, very, very small in the grand scheme of things. And we're we're grappling to understand the significance of all that and where we sit in with it as well. You elaborated on the point I was I was trying to make before, which is that the the like why we're talking about this when I was saying like a different cryptid for the TikTok version is something that has stuck in my brain since we've been talking with these folklorists is that like validity and truth don't necessarily matter when you're talking about the stories we tell each other. It's the underlying context and the, the subtext of these stories that we're sharing with each other that is what is most revealing about the societal moment we're in. So like while the TikTok version of the skinwalker legend does not bear any real resemblance aside from name to the navajo legend there's got to be a reason for it coming back up now like you were saying and what you just said about ufos makes me wonder if we're seeing more of a resurgence of this because also i feel like even in the last four years it wasn't that long ago there was another like ufo drop i wonder if that isn't a societal response to feeling like we don't have much control mm. uh as a lot of things are changing around us we just had a global pandemic yeah, and I, I was actually going to add on to that too. I mean, that's a really strong point because we are always in the search for answers. And uh, on top of that, we're in like uh, a rise of science fiction. And then on top of that, we're understanding more that nature that nature has been discovered, but it's largely unknown still, very much like the oceans and 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 things of that nature. So it's kind of the perfect amalgamation. And then you start adding in, hey, 
we have footage of these UFOs. And now that curiosity that's been kind of buried and, and, and shoved down and, you know, consuming media and being in our phones. And uh, then you add in the pan pandemic and all these weird events. Now people are more open to saying, Hey, like, maybe we should consider some of these weird things that we have seen, or maybe I should look into this weird thing that I saw on TikTok. Oh, I had a weird experience or let me go out into the woods and, or I can make this and let's see how people respond to this. And so it's almost like a social experiment uh, with a very real subject that's that people are looking to see how far can I test these boundaries and how will people respond um, in that way? And I think, I think that, you know, these shapeshifters are, are, are seeing a resurgence because of that too, because now with like science fiction, can shapeshifting really happen? And then nature is out here being nature and we see that and we don't understand it. And now we have a crumb of folklore that we can attach it to. And now we're building or rebuilding an urban legend off of something that was already established. So it, it's it, it, this one kind of goes kind of into some psychology things, I think. As yeah, because well. it, it the root of why we're talking about it points to specific anxieties we're having because of the cultural moment we're in. There's a, another one of those aspects of monster theory called um, the fact that there's a kind of a, a category crisis that's usually going on as well. And, you know, you think about um, we'll just call them talk walkers. Or maybe on TikTok, maybe. Um, and, you know, maybe with the talk walker thing is that you have a, an entire generation of people um, that are realizing that human nature is actually really, really dark. And there are scary things out there in just the way that, that we treat each other and present to each other. And maybe they're trying to, to show that darkness and say, you know what, um, in, in reality, as I try to grapple with the fact that uh, some of the people that are my neighbors, uh, I found out during the pandemic are actually really have some really horrible beliefs, but will walk up and shake my hand. That's kind of scary. Um, so how do I deal with that? And it's kind of like shape shifting, if you think about it, it because is. people are not what they appear. So that kind of anxiety of people are acting in all of these strange ways. And yet the people I see day to day are still sort of normal can can lead to that anxiety. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting time to be alive. That that is for sure, and that's why we gl we're glad we have people like you all to come on here and and break things down like the Skinwalker. Uh, but no, we we do appreciate uh, Perry and Mason, both of you guys, joining us and yeah. learning about your podcast, the digital digital folklore. I think our audience uh, would really enjoy checking that out. Where all can they find out information about both of you and your podcast? I would say digitalfolklore.fm is the easiest way to start um, or a podcast player near you. Just search Digital Folklore and you'll find us. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you guys for joining us, Perry and Mason. Y'all were fantastic guests and hopefully we'll have you back on at some point um, just to talk, just to get into the, the psychology of folklore and urban legends. But until then, uh, today's episode was brought to you by uh, Shapeshifters because I refuse to say the name still. <laughs> and we will be back with another episode of an urban legend that you probably heard i really thought you were going to say your coffee shop there i was like god damn look at that plug that came in strong <laughs> <laughs> do you want to plug it before we get out um sure why not why not and if you're ever in the downtown historic opalaka area in alabama come down to the coffee shop 
It's literally the coffee shop. It's not a coffee shop. It's the coffee shop. We have some really good beans, some really good coffee, some really good personalities, some really big smiles and a really good time. And it's just the place where you want to be if you want some coffee and chill and, and uh, if you're passing through. So come see me. I'm always there. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world. That ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.